0: I was no PowerPoint this morning, haven't got PowerPoint for this one. Um, I feel what's on my heart is uh, a sort of prophetic word, uh, which I feel God's given me to share with you this morning. I felt when I was praying, God said, take off your teacher's gown and put on your prophet's cloak. Um, And uh, I think think that's how I feel to, to preach this morning. This is an important moment for us as a church, Winchester Family Church. It's the last Sunday where I'm in this role as senior elder, senior leader. Um, Next Sunday we'll be setting Stephen into that role as lead elder here. Guy and myself will be praying for him and Guy preaching as you heard. And uh, from Tuesday, Marion and I start a a three month sabbatical break which we're really looking forward to very much. Um, And uh, grateful for all the ways that's been facilitated we will be back uh, at West Point, which we're really looking forward to. We're doing quite a number of things, which I won't go into now. I have mentioned on another occasion. Back at West Point and then properly back by the 1st of September. And just to be very clear, cause still one or two sort of seem quite not to have got it. Never mind. Uh, I am continuing as an elder here, at Wichita family church. Uh, I will be here serving on the eldership team. Uh, led, the team led by Steve and I'll be uh, spending uh, I suppose roughly 50% of my time elsewhere serving the wider church. won't be more than that. We're trying to be disciplined about that. But actually just by the way I've probably spent 30 or 40% of my time on wider things for the last few years. And I, I mean that's probably one of the reasons that, practically speaking that God, God was speaking to me about it. You know which way you're going as it were. And I, I know God's called me to, uh, to serve in this wider context. Leadership training, mentoring leaders and several other countries which you'll be visiting. By the way, it's great, just mentioning other countries, to have two brothers from Spain, from Madrid with us. I can see Emilio is over there, isn't he? And, and uh, where's Luis? Luis, yeah, let's just give him a big clap. It's great having you guys with us. Uh, they... They're good friends of David and Billy Thompson who, who would have been in part of their church when David and Billy lived in Madrid near, uh, near Madrid and uh, yeah, just exploring uh, any future relationship with us. It's just really a get to know you, see where God takes us and who knows, I feel God it may well be in it but it's, we're just uh, meeting this weekend and this afternoon with Guy and with Kevin from Salisbury. So that's an exciting weekend, just a, another little foretaste of future things right now. Well, the passage I I felt God put on my heart for this morning is Joshua chapter 3 and the first six verses. As I say, it's very much a now word. I believe it's relevant not only to the church, but to individuals. If you're here as a visitor, although I am rather uniquely speaking to the church in many ways, I believe principles in here are for all of you and all of us. And, And God will have had you here this morning for a purpose. So please be open to his spirit speaking to you. Joshua 3, and I want to read the first six verses. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan, where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests who are Levites carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance of about a thousand yards between you and the ark. Do not go near it. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Joshua said to the priests, take up the ark of the covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. Actually, I felt God laid really verses 3, 4 and 5 on my heart. When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests who are Levites carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance of about a thousand yards between you and the ark. Do not go near it. Then consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. This was a key moment in the uh, history of the children of Israel. They're about to cross over into their destiny. A destiny that's been, in their case, not only prophesied a long way ahead from God, but actually it's been, in a sense, just over the horizon for 40 years. They came out of Egypt to get to, get to this, to get into the Promised Land. So they came out to go in. They didn't really come out to wander around and round. And it's, it's like, For 40 years this has been hovering over them. It's been talked about, it's been anticipated. But now they stand on the brink of it. They stand right ready to go into what God had called them for. Now I feel Winchester Family Church has a destiny. I think we've had things that have been talked about and prophesied for years. Maybe not 40 years, but quite a number of years. It could be up towards 20 even. There have been a number of prophecies about doubling and doubling again and you can get hold of those one way or another. I've battled with them and prayed with them. I believe they're of God. They're from a number of different sources who knew nothing about each other but they're all before I came. They were in Greg's time so we're talking at least, I've been here eight years, at least ten or more years ago. What does that mean in practice? Well, we've prayed and thought about it. One thing it means is I think to fill this building. That would be doubling. We're about 300 and something members, maybe 350, and uh, we can fit 700 in here. So I think God has called us and promised and prophesied but challenging us to fill the building. That's one thing. But I think doubling again, well, what did that mean? Well, I felt, and I think perhaps I felt God's confirmation in my spirit, that that to some extent is about outside of this particular building. It's doubling again in terms of church planting or congregations. It's seeing as many, another 600, who really are birthed out from us. We've already started that with Life Church Southampton, which is doing superbly. Um, I don't know their numbers, but uh, over 100, I think, now. But they bought a building in the last week. I think it's only a week. Oh, we were there on Thursday, weren't we? It's just great to see them in this little building, industrial estate, uh, quite near to Bitten. I'm not brilliant on the geography, but it's just ideal uh, Chris, being Chris, gets on eBay and buys some ridiculously cheap chairs that look wonderful. They look as though they cost 50 quid and they cost 4 quid. That's just Chris in his element. And, um, you know, and it just looks lovely, doesn't it? Considering I've only been in there a week. And you feel God's blessing. That's one of our daughters, if you like, church. And growing a blessing. I think there'll be others very soon. So God's called us to grow and develop. But we're also called to be an Antioch base and I think we are continually fulfilling that. That's a resource base. That is a, a grain store. I remember a prophetic word about being a grain store. Serving the wider church, this region, in this nation and other nations. Now we'll be doing that if, if not more so. In fact, I hope more so. I trust that when I get involved in these things, it will not just be, oh, what, John's off doing his thing The idea is that I will involve you and we'll be in it together and that some of you will sometimes come perhaps with me to things. There'll be things we can involve with. We've already had a taste of that with North Portugal and Penafiel and some of you like Johnny Vane and Andrew have been there recently, almost closer friends than than I am. I just go into minister, you know, but relationships have begun. Obviously there's India and Nepal and, and other places like that. And so there's that that God's spoken to us about. And there's also these mysterious and wonderful prophecies about revival, which I think have been going on uh, in the nation for a while. Maybe it nearly is 40 years. But even here, some of them go back a long way. They go back to Rodney Kingston's that was on the wall there when I first came and we hadn't refurbished the building at all. And It was part of something I think happened about the day you moved in here when Rodney visited, many years again before my time. And quite an outstanding prophecy... About God bringing revival, about rivers of God's blessing flowing from Winchester, particularly south and west, I remember. And, uh, particularly that God would do something in the religious establishment, uh, religious, they might be, but the educational establishments of, of educational establishments of this city, unis and the colleges. And that God was going to do something special there. I think we've got that on our hearts. To see something special, a revival, a breakout of the Spirit of God amongst the students. Large proportion of this city, 8,000 students in a city of, what, 40,000 or so. It is quite a significant number passed through our ranks. We want to see God really moving there. But this thing of the river has stirred me, keeps stirring me, flowing south, southwest. Many of you might not know, we actually have a small river flows through this building. In the, um, in, in the whatever it's called, what's that down there? Basement, that's it. In the basement, there's a, a concrete channel down through the middle. And it's, uh, one of the brooks, this is why it's Middlebrook, there's all these little brooks that flow through here. We've got one right through the middle of this building. I've often wondered, could we bottle the water, sell it? I could pray over it. pray over it? That's good, bless it. What do you think? A couple of quid a bottle, I reckon. It's fresh water, it's chalk stream, you know. it's Yeah. We could make quite a story, put a lot of bladder on this label. Yeah, anyway, we'll worry about that later. So... Basically fresh water, that's good, it flows right it's not sewage, it's fresh water, praise God and, and, and I believe fresh water is to flow through us and out beyond, it goes out south on to join the rest of the itching, down and I think that's what, what we're, we're meant spiritually to, to see as speaking to us. I believe we stand on the brink of great things here in which the family church and two phrases have stood out to me from this passage. And they're what I want to talk about, just for a few minutes to you. These are the two phrases. The first one is this. It's uh, in verse 4. You have never been this way before. That's the first phrase. You have never been this way before. I'll tell you what the other one is. It's a sentence really. It's in verse 5. Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. And I believe just as I'm speaking, I want to say, Emilio and Luis, I think God's got you here for a reason today, apart from why we're meeting up. I believe these phrases are for you too. I just feel that right now as I'm speaking. That, uh, that God's saying, you're going to go away, you've never been before. And uh, God's calling you to, co- to refresh consecration because he's going to do some amazing things that have been in your heart. That you, you, You've you had disappointments, which I obviously I do know a little about. But, but I believe God has marked you for blessing. So I want you to hear. I believe there's an application. It's not an accident you're here on this morning with this word. But I feel the first phrase to talk about it. You have never been this way before. Winchester Family Church. If you're a part of the church, I believe there are at least three clear ways you're going to enter new territory from today. You're entering new territory at this time already entering it in some ways. I want to mention them. The first is this. When I was praying and I feel, you know, God's stirring my spirit about this word, this church, Winchester Family Church, has actually been focused on completing large building projects for over 20 years. If you include Stanmore Lane, it's over 20 years. And it's a remarkable story. Stanmore Lane, I think, was built and opened around 1990. And then of course this building and we completed it in the last few years. But actually a generation of this church has spent a lot of time planning, praying and paying for big building projects. A whole generation has spent a lot of time on that. Now they are amazing projects, they're amazing buildings. We've seen God provide miraculously, both in Greg's time and mine. For example, neither building has required a bank loan, which is remarkable when you think of it. Both are now finished and they're eye-catching resources. People come into Samuel Lane and say, oh, this is a nice building. People come in here and say, wow, this is a nice building. They always do. They are a unique feature of this church. I mean, I don't know of another church. I really don't. that would have done that, completed those two projects without a loan and actually own them and sort of have this provision of God. I mean, it is quite unique and brings its own challenges. But for a generation, this church has obviously focused on that. and It's been a God thing. But I believe God says this to you, to us. They are not buildings, they're fishing boats. They're not buildings, they're fishing boats. Both of them are fishing boats. That's what I believe God says. Our focus is now on fishing from them. Using, they are facilities provided. Fishing boats are very useful and very important. You don't get far without one. You don't fish seriously by swimming. We need fishing boats. But they are there to fish. They're there to catch fish. They're there to bring people into the kingdom. To see people saved and added. The time has come for growth. It will come. But we've got to sort of understand in our brains that's what God wants us to do. We are called to impact the community around us and to see people saved and added, and to plant churches. Now, all of this requires energy and sacrifice and inconvenience, just as the building projects do. They require energy, they require sacrifice, they require inconvenience. So we need the same sorts of potential but differently channeled. Differently channeled. I believe God has equipped us And given us the resources, both human and material, to do what he's called us to do. We have to adjust our focus and emphasis totally. Thank God for them. Now let's start fishing. Seriously fishing. Thinking of big net dragging fishing or rod fishing. You can do both, you know, different size buildings, but, but actually we must say the focus is that, that's what they're for, that's what they're for. They get barnacle ridden and chipped and knocked, that's fine, put a bit more paint on them, get them back out in the sea again. And, and that is just what they're for. That's how they're to be. Second thing I feel, you've never been this way before, I think that applies to this generation if I can say that, that's in my thinking. Almost 20, perhaps 25 years changed. We're not going for big things. We, we will have to put bits and bobs, we always do, you have to maintain the things. Tinker with them, but the boats are there. Second thing is this Winchester Family Church has come a long way from its roots. Hallelujah. A long way from its roots. Those roots aren't to be despised, but God's moved on. And in its roots, Winchester Family Church's roots, and this wasn't true of where I was in Hastings because it had different roots, in its roots is one man ministry, the pastor. So, each change in the past has meant the old man moves on and the new man takes his place. And it's meant well and it's quite warm and welcoming, but I remember someone or several people talking to me as as me being the new man. That's fine. And that's reflected in our history, that booklet that Reg wrote. You know, things are different now. And and you see the photograph of one pastor and then the next pastor, and Marion and I are in there, I believe. But I think there is a new difference we are now entering, okay? This is new territory. You have not been this way before. The old man will still very much be here with the new man. We've got two men. We've got more than two. But I'm particularly focusing on the individuals called to the church from outside. We, that's Steve and I and Annette and Marion, have become very good friends. We feel very close to each other. We met and prayed and laughed on Thursday night and and I feel God's knit us together. Steve will be leading. There's no question about that. Steve will lead the team. I'm delighted about it. I will gladly submit to his leadership with joy and delight and relief, actually. (laughs) But I want you to know know that God clearly called me to Winchester, Marion and I, and he spoke to us and spoke to me about staying here quite clearly. Over the last year or so, I, I, I've been invited to go to three other places where I could have gone when people knew what was happening. And I've really felt very clearly God said stay here. In fact, when I came here, I felt it wasn't for eight years. I felt it would notionally been about 14, to be honest. <laughs> about and I think that God um, spoke to me quite clearly about it. Now, the delicate thing was I didn't want to impose myself on Steve. So, I wouldn't even, some of what I'm just saying now might be slightly more strongly made, uh, mentioned than it even has been privately. Because I haven't said to Steve, I've got to stay here. I said to Steve and Guy, you must decide, you know, if this is going to help you or not, if this is of God really. But I do feel that it is of God. And I feel there's a unique importance to us both feeling a call here as part of the same phase of church history. Both having a heart for Winchester and both being knit together. Mary and I don't feel called elsewhere. Steve and Annette are called here and we are one on this now. And I believe there is a a scripture that's come back to me several times. When God is with them, I won't take you to it, it says one man can chase a thousand but two can put ten thousand to flight. So I think there is a ten-time multiplication if two men in God, called of God, are working together. Now there will be a team around us, but I'm particularly speaking personally this morning. And I think there is a new strategy that God is at work here. This is not, I'm not seeing which there is a convenient base to fly around the world. I believe I am going to have the wider ministry and I believe that's part of what we're called to anyway. And it will be new ground in that area as well. But I believe there is, and you have never been this way before, the old man is still here with the new man and that's God. That's fine. That's not a big deal, but it is a new territory and it's going to be key for the future. And thirdly, I just know God is going to take this church into experiences that you've not experienced before. I think you're going to experience things. Get ready for new experiences of God. You have never been this way before. In the light of all that, how do we keep our eye on God? What happens? How do we go forward? Well, it's interesting, in this incident, verses 3 and 4, it's very clear, I'll probably read them briefly again, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests who are Levites carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you've never been this way before. But keep a distance of about a thousand yards between you and the ark. Do not go near it. They've never been this way before, so how are they going to know where to go? Well, the answer was the Ark of the Covenant would go before them and they would follow it at a distance of about a thousand yards. That's just over half a mile, probably. A thousand metres will do, you know, if you're modern. Basically, they were going to follow it. There was going to be a gap of nearly two-thirds of a mile, I don't know, about a thousand metres between them before they moved. So the thing moved out until it became nearly sort of in the distance, at a half a mile or more, and then they moved and followed it. What do we make of that? Well, let's briefly say what was the ark, very briefly. Well, the ark was a a modest-sized wooden box. It was three and a half feet long, two and a half wide, two and a half deep. But it was covered in gold. So it was wood covered in gold. The top was a thick gold lid. And on it were two beautifully carved gold, solid gold cherubim that looked down on the lid of the ark. The lid of the ark was the mercy seat. It's where blood was sprinkled, for the forgiveness of sins. Now in the ark, there was a copy of the law, Ten Commandments and some other law, Aaron's rod that had miraculously budded to show that Aaron was the anointed high priest and a pot of manna, the heavenly food that had kept them going in the desert. The ark was their most sacred object for Israel. It was the focus of their covenant bond with God. It was the place, and this is very important, where God's presence was tangibly among them. God was with them, but that's where the tangible nature of it was really brought home. And in the desert there'd been a pillar of uh, cloud in the day and a pillar of fire at night, and that was over the ark. That's what the pillar was over. It was the presence of God. So, following the ark meant following God. It meant the Lord went before them. The Lord led them and they followed His presence. I believe God is speaking to us about following His presence. Individually and corporately, you will find God's purpose by seeking God's presence. Now I'm going to talk, I'm talking prophetically. I'm not unpacking it I've not got my teacher's gown on. You must sort some of this out for yourself. So I'm just giving it to you from the Spirit. But you individually, you have got to follow God's presence if you want to find God's purpose. Our focal point has got to be the presence of God. We've got to learn not so much to be doing, but being. Being in His presence. That's what leads us forward. The presence of God leads us forward. So it's very good to be doing and active, but it's not to say no activity, but... We don't get where we're going by fussing and doing, it's by being in his presence and following it. Now for us, the presence of God is focused around Jesus Christ. In our covenant, he is our ark. Jesus Christ is the ark of the covenant for the new covenant people of God. Indeed, this old covenant ark was a picture or a type, a God-given type of Jesus. Wood, overlaid with gold, speaks of humanity and deity. Jesus is man and he was God. The manna speaks of bread from heaven that you feed on eternally and for all the time. Aaron's rod is speaking to us about resurrection life and priestly authority which are in Jesus Christ. And the law is the word of God which is in him and he is the word of God. So we must be Jesus centred in everything we do. However, as in their time the ark was where the presence was so you had the ark and then you had a cloud or a pillar of fire over the ark well in our covenant the presence of God is manifested by the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit hovers where Jesus is worshipped and glorified the Holy Spirit is like the cloud that hovers over Jesus if you can bear with me and understand it in your spirit we must be people who are not merely Jesus centred though we should be but are people who seek the presence of the Holy Spirit. We have got to be people who do not soft pedal on the Spirit, who do not get nervous about the Spirit. We must seek His presence. If we do it biblically, it will be in harmony with Jesus because the cloud is over the ark. They go together. We need more and more to be filled with the Spirit. If we're going to know where to go with God, if we're really going to break through, we must go on seeking God's presence. Charles Simpson says this, a preacher who used to be an American guy, I think he's still alive, an older man now, I don't always love the will of God, but I love his presence. It's better to suffer in the will of God and have his presence than to be without his presence. That's right. It might be uncomfortable, but I need your presence, Lord. I need to know you with me. I need to know you with us. We don't merely follow our understanding, and our logic. This is personal and corporate. We have to follow where the anointing takes us, where the presence of God is going. And it may take us to uncomfortable places. When Israel was looking, what actually happened was this ark was led, you can read it in the rest of the story, and it went into the river, and the river was in flood. Jordan was a flooding wide river and the priests carried the presence of God into the water which is incredible because that looked like where they were going to have to go and yet the presence of God broke the way open in the water. So when they got into the water the waters divided for the people. So somehow God takes you to places that look scary but going with him they become open. They become the keys to progress. And the progress of this was that God took them across the Jordan and then the waters closed over. So that's the next point. The presence of God will take you to places of no return where you cannot go back to where you once were. Where you say, can't go. wasn't it nice 30, 40 years ago? Yeah, we're not going back there. You can't. It's, the presence of God has taken us to a place of no return. I can't go back to Hastings, leave Hastings. I don't want to in one way, but it's a safe option. I'm not doing it. I believe, in a way, I'm very, very happy with what God's called me to do. But one or two people have said to me, when i moved around in other circles, of you're brave. And I think, well, I just feel it's God. But it is a bit nerve-wracking, you know. When you get a bit older, you think, oh, it would be nice to be secure for those last five or six years. What happens if they don't want me? Steve says, actually, you're a bit of a pain. You're a bit of a pain, actually. I'm sure he won't use those words, but it'll still be there. (laughs) And I'm open to that. But I don't want to be a pain, of course. I don't expect to be a pain. But um, you have to go through the point of no return. That's how you move on with God. You can't always keep your options open as you move on with God. It just doesn't work that way. I mean, I probably in my life have known now, I was trying to calculate, I'm not sure I can do it accurately. Five or six times when I feel this is almost like it's been, I get hungry for God, I know God is disturbing me, I know God's speaking to me, I can get desperate, I get quite uncomfortable and then I say, right, I'll go with you Lord, wherever you want to take me and it's usually, ah, there, you know, give up my job and go full time, ah, leave my church where my parents are and join the fellowship. Ah right hand over the lead eldership and and see where it goes and see if they want me and you know and suddenly god takes you think that's the jordan that doesn't look too comfortable that's the jordan but as you go into it god makes a way and opens it and then you go to a point of no return and that's when you really begin to sense god moving they really saw some stuff when they got across the jordan they really did they saw Jericho they no longer the manor had been great but now they saw the walls fall down they they, they saw amazing miracles as they went into the promised land in verse 4 here you probably noticed it I've mentioned it anyway they were told to keep a distance of a thousand yards between them and the ark why was that? why was that? Well, they had to stay at a respectful distance. And some of the commentators say it was out of reverence and respect for the presence of God. That is probably true. But I think also they all needed to clearly see where God was taking them see, if they're all crowding up close, only the people at the front can really see where they're going. All you've got is the back of other people's heads and you're all jostling along. It was not to be like that. There was to be a sense in which space was given for them all to see God was taking them here. You see that? Now, that's important in church life. You can't rush the leading of God. Some of you like to do it. You come from the business world or the secular world. You think, right, we have five-year plans and we do this. You can't do it. I could have had a 10-year plan when I came here. Well, it's already, right, I was chucked in the bin ages ago. Now, you just, you think, well, surely, 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 I know all the benefits. Well, you know where you're going. But I have never seen it ever completed in 30, 40 years of Christian life that you know exactly, you're going, oh, I'm going to be there in 5 or 10 years and it works out just as you say. You don't, you follow the clouds. That doesn't mean you can't have some plans, but you really give space for God to lead you. You don't crowd up, jostling him. I think there's a lot of stuff in this. There was no one was to try and control the direction, try and nudge the priests. Come on, we're going over this way. I mean, if you get in a crowd, you can all sort of move the ark across to the left. I don't like the look of the Jordan. Why don't we go right? You couldn't do it. You couldn't do it. You couldn't jostle God, you couldn't control God. He led the direction, you waited till it was really clear and then you all followed. And it looked like you were going to be taken right into a flooding river. Ooh! And that's what you did and you followed it. Where God was going, you stood back, waited and followed him. God is in control, he leads us. That's true of all of us. God is not your private possession. Individually or corporately, we don't carry him where we want to go. We don't, do we? He leads us and takes us. We don't nudge him in our favoured direction. I think over-familiarity is often linked with pride, that we know where God's going, we know how to do it. It's all, oh, it's all very simple. So don't be over-familiar with God. Oh, I've got that sussed. Yeah, we'll do this, we'll do that. I know what Steve will do. We'll do this, 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 this. Well, I'd be careful that you don't talk like that. Don't be over-familiar. Don't assume you know where God's leading us. Let there be a respectful distance. Let there be a waiting on God. Let's not demand from Steve to prove himself a leader with a five-year plan or a vision straight away. Let's, let's see if he's got it. Let's see what God's doing, shall we? He's a man of God. Stephen and Annette are very, very a man and woman of prayer. I mean, more so than Marion and I, they've brought us back up a level, not down. I mean, I thought, cool, I've gone half asleep once I started meeting Steve. And now I thought, we've gone sleepy on prayer, didn't we, Marion? It's much more provoking, it's good. And, and on, on gifts of the Spirit. And so I, I think we, we need to let God speak and lead. Amen? Amen? Don't worry, this second one isn't so long. Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things around, among you. I honestly believe that God's put that in my heart for you guys, for us as Winchester Family Church, that God has said in the near future, he will do amazing things among you. It says tomorrow. I think it's in the near future. Not like, oh, they're great, that'll be 30 years time. No, no. I think God is going to do some amazing things. So we've got to get ready. We've consecrate ourselves. I believe that's what God's put on my heart. Now, consecrate means purify yourselves or set yourselves apart for God to use. In the Old Testament, this command comes a number of times and it's usually just before God does something extraordinary, before a great act of God, meeting him on the Mount Sinai and getting the Ten Commandments, another example. So, it usually comes just as God is about to do something amazing. It means get yourself ready. Get in a good place with God. Get clean. Get clear. Because God's going to move and he wants you to move with him. Be ready. Now, it's not merely an Old Testament concept. That's what's quite interesting. We get very big on grace, and I am very big on grace. Don't, just, don't, don't doubt that at all. But we can miss some of the exhortations in the New Testament. Here's one. Very similar. It's 2 Corinthians 7 and verse 1 and it says this, since we have these promises dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit. Now what you will notice is both, Old and New Testament, you have a responsibility. Consecrate yourselves. Purify ourselves. We can get a very passive sort of Uh, view of Christianity, partly because of our emphasis on grace, which is a slight distortion at times, as though it was all up to God. God says, yeah, I'm doing it, but you consecrate yourself. You purify yourself. Then it's very specific. If we have promises from God, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit. What does that mean? Well, it means get rid of sin. Don't sin. Get rid of it. Dump the junk. Things that contaminate your body and spirit. False ideas, false teaching, dirty thoughts, pornographic things, uh, cheating things, selfish things, greedy things, sexual perversion, sexual deviance. Get rid of it. Purify yourselves. You know what's the right thing to do. Do it. That's what God says to his people. It comes out again and again in the Bible. There's a very uh, obvious and and interesting example, which I have just found God took me to really, with Jacob going to a different era from Moses. Jacob is coming back after many years back to his home uh, land and he's returning to Bethel. Now Bethel, which means house of God, is the place where Jacob met with God many years earlier. And it's described in the Bible as the place where God talked with Jacob. Isn't that good? God talked with Jacob. So here we are, Jacob is coming to meet with God again. It's a similar theme and God speaks to him here. Then it says this in verses 2 and 3 of Genesis 35. So Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, get rid of the foreign gods you have with you and purify yourselves and change your clothes. Then come, let us go to Bethel, where I will build an altar to God who answered me in the day of my distress and who has been with me wherever I have gone. What well, i say to you as my spiritual family and household, let's get rid of any foreign gods, let's purify ourselves, let's change our clothes and get ready to meet with God. Now, you might say, what do you mean by change your clothes? Well, I think the Bible tells us Put off deeds of the flesh. Put off envy and greed and backbiting and selfishness. And Colossians 3 verse 12 tells you, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Come on, brothers and sisters, let's make an effort. Let's put off the old dirty stuff we get into. We all do it. Let's put off the selfishness and the greed and the this and that and the backbiting and let's put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Get rid of any other gods. Jesus alone is the one we worship and follow and let's get ready because God's going to do amazing things among you. This isn't heavy, this is positive. It's get ready... Like with Jacob, it's not heavy. It's Jacob said, we've picked up a lot of clutter. That's what Jacob was saying. I once met with God here at Bethel. This is where God speaks to me. This is where we put up an altar of worship. We've got a load of, what are these foreign gods? I don't know, sentimental bits and bobs that, that they brought with them from their old thing. And, and he says, right, get rid of all of that lot, change your clothes, purify yourselves. We're going to meet God at Bethel. It's great. Now, I'd say to you, I believe that we're into this season. I'm feeling it personally for my sabbatical. I'm looking forward to meeting God. I'm literally going to Bethel, actually, sort of, <laughs> a place called Bethel, a church in, in, in California, just to just Bill Johnson's place. And I, I'm doing other things, as you know. And I'm just saying, God, meet me. But I want to be purified, ready. I don't wait till I get there to get purified. I need to get ready for God. Now, it's the same for you. As we go into this new phase, as God plans to do amazing things, we need to consecrate ourselves. And we're going to use the bread and wine to do that. John, if you could come up with your band, John Pickett. We're going to worship these last ten minutes and we're going to use the bread and wine as our response to my word. I believe you are going into some new territory. It's exciting. You have never been this way before.